football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Willie Ramirez is here from the AP. So uh, you covered the Raiders this weekend. I know you're covering a lot of basketball this week. You covered Rebel football on Friday night. At Allegiant, late start, 8.30 start. Turned out to be a hell of a game, and uh, you had predicted the possibility of a win by the Rebels. They were right there, but they fell short again, 28-20. It was 21-20 in the fourth. They outgained them by over 100 yards for the game. Stymied San Diego State running game, big time. They don't have a passing game. UNLV also threw for 372 yards on the number nine defense in the country, but... The season has been about close, but not quite close enough to pull off the victory. They're 0-6 in games decided by eight points or less. San Diego State 10-1 is 6-0 in games decided by eight points or less. Let me just start by saying that San Diego State is not a top 25 team. They are not, That is not... That is a team that is basically just beaten up on bad teams or caught teams at the right th- at the right spot. It's, it's I don't think that's entirely accurate. I think they have a great defense. It wasn't great on Friday night, and they run a close to the vest offense that doesn't make a ton of mistakes. But it was weird. They made mistakes on offense. They couldn't run the ball, and the penalties I thought were just ridiculous. Okay. Um, so, uh, but I agree with you. I, I would not have them in my top 25. Time out. I think they're a top 40 program. They're not a top 25 team. If you put San Diego State on a neutral with, well, you know, the funny thing is they beat Utah. And now Utah might be, <laughs> Utah might rip the uh, the Pac-12. Let's go over this. Your, your, let's go back game. to your San Diego State has a good defense. Okay. It opened the season and it held New Mexico State to 10 points. It held Arizona to 14. Arizona had the nation's longest losing streak, snapped it. Then at UNLV had it for about four hours, snapped it. It did beat Utah. Utah put 31 on that defense. It beat Towson. It held New Mexico to seven points. It held San Jose State, which has not been near the team that we saw last year, to 13. Went into Air Force. That might be, uh, you know what, there might be the most impressive defensive display of the season going into Air Force and holding it to 14 points. Lost to Fresno State, went into Hawaii, beat and held them to 10. But Hawaii was a team for the longest that many of you said, that's going to be UNLV's first win. All right, so, uh, you know what, you're starting, to, you're starting to get me on your side. The schedule has allowed them to avoid a couple of more good offensive teams in the Mountain West Conference. Now they got to host Boise State, and this has been a conference where a team gets ranked and then gets smacked around. So Boise State's going to come in with a chip on its shoulder. And, you know, I don't know what to expect, but let's get to UNLV. Um, I just don't know. Let me ask you this. So we talked a little bit about this after the game. Um, that very first drive, they go down. It's the first drive. It's the opening quarter. They settled for the field goal. I would have went for it. Now, 
Well, it was also it's also the play calling that leads to the fourth down decision. Yeah. They had two runs, and they tried to run a misdirection pass play that San Diego State ate up. I, I didn't I didn't love, and uh, I think Marcus Arroyo sort of suggested that maybe they could have called some better plays in those situations. I didn't love the play calls there, and there was also another set of plays um, you know, inside the 15. I didn't love the play calls on that one. They had a... Well, they had a drop snap. I think they were going to run some sort of jet sweep or something on that one. And then they also they had a naked boot where they ran Justin Rogers. And Rogers can throw the ball. You saw that, but he, he can't run. So that to me, that was a wasted play. They clearly, against a team that wins every close game, needed to score touchdowns, not get field goals or come up empty. Yeah, the, and the one area where, you know, San Diego State sort of maybe did flex its muscles on defense, uh, it held Charles Williams or – career rushing leader at UNLV to 40 yards and 16 carries. And let's let's before we go on and just bemoan another lost opportunity to beat a top 25 team and to beat a conference opponent. Rodgers looked nothing like the quarterback who stepped in at times during this campaign and start was the original starter. Uh he re, he looked fantastic. He played well for jumping in there after uh Cam Friel was gone. I mean, he finished 15 to 21 for 305 yards, two touchdown passes. Um, so if he has time, he's the best natural thrower on the roster, even better than Brumfield. But he's he's not the athlete the other two guys are, so he has no escapability. So when the when the pocket crumbles on him quickly, he's in trouble. The pass protection against San Diego State, I was blown away by how much time he had. Blown away. Against that defense that you talked about against that defense that gives you all these confusing looks and seems to be blitzing all the time and got pressure on almost everyone else this year yeah they i mean how whose fault is that on justin by the way on justin rogers and just in terms of his because he's been with the the program i don't think there's a fault i think one um well arroyo told us today and he just thinks a lot of hard work and you know staying in tune that rogers prepped himself for the moment coming off the bench and throwing for whatever it was, 305 himself. I think he was 15 to 21. Uh, that helps. And I think the, the fact that the line can pass protect better than it did at the beginning of the season. You know, they, they, they've got a, a lot of improvement from Tiger Shanks at right tackle. He's mammoth, and he was having trouble defending against edge rushers. And the other one is Davion McDaniel who moved from the right side to the left side. Clayton Bradley went out, and they were just better pass protecting. They've been better. And this was a one-point ball game till three minutes left in the game. So, and so the defense, UNLV's defense played admirable. Jacoby Winman, career-high three sacks, tied a program fourth highest for a single game. Um, I just think that it comes down to play calling, and like you said, Marcus owned it a little bit. And one thing that I will say for the pressers, I mean, the one where he showed up and he was just completely frustrated, you know, um, it was a, it was the not this loss but the previous loss that it had had after, right before the two wins, is that he he will commend the guy the, the players, and put and wear, carry the burden of, of the losses, um, but when the play calling is continually the hey we have to do a better job doing this, you, if that's the continual, not excuse but the the, the, the you're wearing that blame well then fix it, you got to fix it, um, so now one game left and it's not an easy one. But um, I, I think that I think that I think the team has definitely made progress. <laughs> NFC, who's the best team in the NFC? 
Exactly. <laughs> well, I'd really like to say I still think that the Cowboys really, but it's it's hard to number one because I wear my heart on my sleeve. Um, but we talked about this several weeks back, like a handful back, and we talked about it. And I remember saying Arizona because at the time they were still undefeated. I was like, well, if they're the only undefeated team, you got to give it to them, right? Um, and I think that uh, I think you have to give Arizona credit for, for do doing too. what it's doing without Murray and Hopkins. Yeah, it's it's hard not to give them the nod. The Packers haven't been consistent. They they're dominant when they can be dominant, but their defense lacks. Um, just because they have Aaron Rodgers doesn't make them the best team. Doesn't make them the shoe in. Doesn't make them a threat. If you're going to do that, well, then you got to say, okay, well, okay, but everybody calls Tom Brady the greatest quarterback ever, so you got to give it to you got to. Give the nod to the Buccaneers over the Packers if you're going to give Packers a nod because of Rodgers. I think Arizona deserves credit for the fact that they're getting it done without their stars. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. 69 yards away from Noel Williams. Gets the kick away. Williams is going to let the ball bounce at the four, and it bounces back toward the 10, and it's down at the seven. That guy's unbelievable when he punts the ball. Live inside Twin Peaks, it's Cofield and Company. So Willie was just saying, San Diego State football, not a top 25 team. Uh, maybe that guy will push you back towards the top 25. Matt Ariza was amazing. Changes up the field position, unlike uh, almost any punter in the country and certainly in the running for the Ray Guy Award. Let's talk a little Mountain West Conference sports. Uh, Rich Waltz is on all these games seemingly, and he was out at Allegiant on Friday. We're going to talk a little uh, Mountain West Conference basketball early season takes as well. Rich, how you doing? It's Steve and Willie in Vegas. Hi, guys. How's Vegas today? Uh, pretty good. Beautiful weather. No better place in uh, November. Not a happy place right now, sports-wise. Uh, Golden Knights are doing okay, but Raiders and UNLV kind of uh, came up short over the weekend. So let's go back to the Friday night game. And uh, How about you chime in? What do you think of San Diego State? Um, are they a top 25 team based on what you saw? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I know they're, they're not winning pretty, but they're winning. Um, I mean, they beat Utah, uh, and Utah is all of a sudden – the bee's knees in the Pac-12 and, and probably with the college football playoffs going to pass them and get into the top 20, around 15 or 16 maybe. Um, yeah, I've seen enough of San Diego State to understand how they win games. They win games with uh, outstanding defense. Um, they win games with an offense that rarely turns it over. And they've got a punter who's uh, got a bionic leg and and in the game on Friday night, it wasn't necessarily the distance, even though he, he averaged over 50. Uh, it was him putting the ball inside the, the 10 repeatedly, whether it was a short kick or a long kick. So that And special teams. They're really, really good on special teams. That's how they're winning games. And I know it doesn't pass the eye test in terms of them blowing people out, but they've consistently won. Um, they've got an a, a, a interesting game on Friday to, to get to the – Mountain West Championship game at home against, well, I, sh I say that, but it's not. They haven't played a home game in two years. That's the other thing about them. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, they've been playing about two hours from their campus up in Los Angeles in Carson. But on uh, Friday on CBS, they play Boise State uh, in Carson. And if they win that game, then they're in the, the, the Mountain West Championship game. So I know that, it, especially with polls and even the college football playoff, head-to-head and just plain winning sometimes is not enough. It's an eye test. It's, um, sometimes it's reputation. Sometimes it's metrics. Uh, but there's no denying their record. There's no denying the people they've beaten. Uh, and the places they've won. So, yeah, I give them, I make them a top 25 team. All right, so what does that say? If we go glass half full, I suppose, what does that say about UNLV more than competing with their third-string quarterback out there for much of the game? They're, you know what? I was really impressed with UNLV because I've seen enough of San Diego State to know that they're, they're really good. Uh, and UNLV makes a couple plays. If something goes their way, maybe that offside gets called, uh, that last play on the interception. Yeah. Um, then, then they have uh, just as much chance to win the game as, as San Diego State. Uh, just really impressed with their athleticism, too, uh, defensively. Um, you know, Jacoby Winman was just incredible. That's as, that's as good a defensive performance as I've seen uh, most of the year. Um, look, he, they've had – the biggest problem with UNLV traditionally has always been, number one, facilities, number two, talent level. And both of those boxes are now checked, and the, the facilities, the, the, the facility they built on campus, that's huge with recruits. The recruiting classes that Marcus Arroyo has brought in there have been top classes two years in a row, um, and you would think that would continue this coming year. You could just see the talent. Um, and, you know, I, I know they've won just two games, but it, you always, when you look for a program to turn things around, you don't look and see if they're right away winning games. You look to see if they're in games at the end, um, and they have been. I mean, it, uh, Utah State, um, at Fresno State, at uh, University of Texas, San Antonio, who's uh, having a great year. Um, all of those close, close losses tell you that things are starting to change. The two wins, you know, New Mexico's not great. Uh, Hawaii's not bad, not great. But they won those games. They did things to win those games. And I, it felt like, even though they lost, it felt to me like Friday night for UNLV football was a step forward uh, in that you could see the talent level on the field um, and, and you could see them do a lot of things right and that their defense was really, really impressive. So, I, you know, someone asked me the other day, do they have a chance to go on the road and win um, to finish the season with the win? And, after seeing them, I said, yeah, they do have a chance. It's not, I mean, they're not certainly not a favorite, and it's not an easy uh, game they've got coming up. But uh, having watched their defense and, and watched Justin Rogers um, be very calm and deliver the football on time and deliver it in the right spots, uh, you've got a, a running back who can, who can help you too. So I'm interested to see how they play on Saturday. But it feels like they are turning the corner. Yeah, and Hawaii uh, was shut down by UNLV and then turned around this weekend and hung 50 on Colorado State. So the defense is definitely for real. Um, what do you think of the bookmakers' number on Boise and San Diego State? As you said, it's not really a true home field, but Boise's actually favored down in Carson, minus 2.5. That's not a surprise. Um, again, you go back to how San Diego State winning games, and it's not pretty. I mean, Boise State, I think, has gone through the, um, the growing pains of new coach, 
new coordinator on offense. Um, they and they've had some bad breaks. I mean the uh, the scoop and score that they had against Oklahoma State was a legit scoop and score, but it was whistled dead, and they lost the touchdown. They had a field goal late that was tipped and ended up no good. And both of those things in a one-point loss to a, a really good Oklahoma State team changes your perspective of who they are, maybe their perspective of who they are, if they win that game. The, the game that they opened with, you open your season in a really tough place at the bounce house at, at UCF. And they were ahead most of that way. A late pick as they were driving to try to, uh, you know, at the end. They're really good. You don't go into BYU and, and handle BYU the way they handled BYU, who's another top uh, uh, 20 team, um, if you're not really good. And they've played well on the road this year, too. It's a neutral. Look, it's that, this, that's a neutral site. It's not a home field. It, it, the, it's a long ways from campus. And traffic, you know, it's Friday after Thanksgiving, which means, you know, kids are probably gone for holiday. They're not going to come up for that. So it's sparsely attended. Uh, It's a cool venue. Uh, There's a lot on the line, so it'll be an intense game. But I'm not surprised that I would have said dead even. Um, But everyone in Vegas knows a lot more about it than I do in terms of uh, point spread and stuff like that. I'd, I'd go straight up with the two. Having watched um, both teams, I think I've had Boise twice, and I've had San Diego State four times this year. Rich Waltz, CBS Sports Network, on the call. So many of these Mountain West Conference games, football games, and now basketball's coming up, and i got to tell you, I'm completely stoked about basketball. UNLV wound up losing over the weekend, uh, competitive until the last three minutes against Michigan. Last night, uh, weird stuff at the end of the game, but they wound up losing to Wichita. But around the conference yesterday, some massive wins. And if you think football was balanced, folks, basketball is going to be insane. And I know you've seen San Diego State. So, first off, tell me about San Diego State. A very, very different-looking team, but their system always seems to work uh, at a high level by at least the middle of the season. That's a really good way to describe the, not only the program but where they are this year because you think about what they did the last two years. COVID really wrecked the greatest season uh that San Diego State had ever had, right? Yep. I mean, they were going to be a number one or a number two seed in the NCAA tournament, and the tournament was canceled. Uh, then last year, uh, they won another regular season in, in conference uh, tournament title, and I added up the numbers that they they had a two year run of fifty three and eight, and then thirty one and four in conference with two regular season titles and a a conference tournament title, which is incredible, really. Uh, they lost, look, scoring for them. They lost Matt Mitchell, who was such a versatile guy. They lost Terrell Gomez, who was a point guard who could shoot the three if you backed off him. And then Jordan Shackle was a really good weapon on the outside. And you add him into all the great defensive players. They don't have that this year. Um, Matt Bradley, the transfer from Cal, is a scorer, but he really hasn't been able to get on track. He hasn't, doesn't take a lot of threes. He's more of a a traditional scorer, almost a Matt Mitchell type. Um, he did not have a good night against Arizona State. What was impressive to me, though, is you know a lot of these guys, the Trey Pulliams, the Nathan Mensas, um, the Lamont Butlers, Adam Seiko, guys that were program-type guys that were giving you six points and five rebounds and four assists and lockdown defense, suddenly... 
their whole lineup feels like it's made of those guys. And they got enough points to beat a pretty good Arizona State team in a, in a game that was really fun to call and was back and forth in the second half. They made plays when they had to. They, their defense is always going to be really good. Mensa is Mensa could have a huge uh, year. Um, he's like the big kid at, at Boise State, uh, I, I think. Guys that may have fly under the radar in terms of scoring, but I think Nathan Mensa is going to he's going to be close to averaging a double double uh, most of the year, and that should give room to to the guards like Pulliam and 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 Bradley. Bradley's going to need to score. He's going to need to shoot better than he did, uh, obviously, against Arizona State. The guy that really in, in, in intrigued me is Lamont Butler. Had a really good second half of the season last year. Uh, they really like him. He, it starts with him on defense, but he adds energy. He gets out in the lane and in transition. So I, I think you're right. I don't. I don't think they're going to be a dominant team the, the way they were the last two years. But I think they're a, certainly an NCAA tournament caliber team if they if things fall right for them. But the, I, to me, the best team in the conference is Colorado State, and that's. All right. That's not a not a surprise. David Roddy's great. John Tanji has has improved leaps. He's like Roddy Jr. Uh, Isaiah Stevens, their point guard's really good. I like their coach and their system and their players. That's the team to beat in my mind in the Mountain West. Yeah, Roddy's fascinating. Again, I don't know how he escaped uh, even playing basketball in the Big Ten at six five two sixty two. He's a football prospect. Probably an NFL tight end prospect. He had seven threes yesterday, 36 points. They had 20 threes in their game yesterday. They made they made 20 of 34. If you're bored and you're and you're on you got your laptop with you, go on YouTube and and Google David Roddy quarterback. Right. And, and look at some of the highlights right. of him playing quarterback in Minnesota in the high school. He's huge. I mean, he's bigger than all of his offensive linemen, yeah. and he sits back in the shotgun. He can absolutely wing it. He, he could have played. I mean, he could have been a really fascinating – he's a fascinating basketball player just with his size and strength and skill. He would have been a really interesting quarterback. Uh, is he the, he hey, the Rich, straight. I was going to say, is he the best – is he the, actually the best quarterback on campus at Colorado State? Well, that's a whole – we could spend an all afternoon talking about where they are right now. Right, right. I, I, I think their quarterback's actually pretty good. I'm just not – I mean, I, I think he's in a system and in a, in a on a team right now that is finding their mojo is, has been a season-long issue for yeah. them. Uh, last one. I actually I think CSU is the favorite. I think there's a lot of depth in the conference. I do think the best roster actually belongs to Nevada, but they've had a bear of a schedule early on. Yeah, what's up with that? I mean, I, I looked up – I you know, I've been buried with – Football and other basketball too, in, in different places. Um, so I haven't had a chance to see them at all this year. But I looked at their record and some of their results, and I'm like, yeah. really? I mean, did, was it Santa Clara that, that just hammered them? San Diego, it was a, it was West Coast, San Diego. I think. It was a West yeah. Coast Conference team that that blasted them pretty good. Um, I I think Boise State's roster is really good too, yeah. and they, you know, that they lost the tight. That team I really love, and that St. Bonaventures, and and then turned around and won two in um, where uh, I think it was Charleston in uh, South Carolina in that term. I think Boise State and uh, and Nevada and San Diego State, uh, and then obviously Colorado State at the top. It's going to be a really fun basketball. 
Utah State, I thought, was going to be terrible, right? I thought it was going to be Justin Bean and, and everybody who didn't leave. Um, winning games and, and beating right. significant people and doing it. So um, don't count Utah State out of it, too. They're, they're really good. I'm curious to see what Tino does in, in, in New Mexico. Um, and I hope, look, I think the league is better when UNLV is really good. I mean, I, 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 UNLV should be really good. I mean, history, facilities, the city, tradition, all the basketball talent that comes in and out of there at Finley Prep or even in the NBA Summer League, that's a known place. Let's hope that they're taking steps and, 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 and that this year is a, a, a year where they, you can see them starting to bounce back. Yeah, they'll be improved. And by the way, you were right, Santa Clara by 22, San Diego by 7, and San Fran by 3, all losses uh, at the hands of West Coast Conference teams by Nevada. Hey, Rich, we appreciate a couple minutes, and uh, let's catch up soon. Uh, always love to hear you on games. I appreciate it. Thank you. Say hi to – you know, I was in Las Vegas for three years as the voice of the Las Vegas Stars long ago, um, and I still keep in contact with the legendary Don Logan. So uh, Las Vegas is a, a really good place for me. Sweet. Well, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. See ya. All right, coming up in about 15 minutes, we're going to check in on uh, the VGK scene. Good weekend. Difficult road trip coming up this week as Ashley Vice is in. Domestic drafts under 4 bucks and appetizers for $2, $4, and $6, all at Twin Peaks. No, this is their shot now. And Long has that block, and that's exactly what the Steelers needed. And you got Killebrew there, and it spins out of bounds right here, right through the gut. And there was pressure over here as well. And it is the special teams that comes up with a play to put the Pittsburgh Steelers right back in this thing. Killebrew, special teams ace. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Miles Killebrew, Henderson guy, Southern Utah guy, former Lion, now carving out a real healthy niche with the Steelers' big play last night in the game against the Chargers. We'll talk more Raiders in the 4 o'clock hour before we hand it off to Monday Night Football, a little bit Chargers as well. That was a freaking wild, wild game. Boy, the Cowboys looked like crap yesterday. And now the Chiefs have tacked on another win, so now they're looking like a strong favorite to win the division and meanwhile the Cowboys and you know while the division ain't great the Eagles are on the come yeah now the Cowboys will be without Amari Cooper and it looks like CeeDee Lamb injured mm-hmm. suffered yesterday and I saw one Yahoo story pounding Amari Cooper about being selfish well not only him I mean they they, they lumped him right in with uh, our boy Aaron Rodgers Basically just saying, you know, being selfish. Um, selfish how? Not getting vaccinated? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you agree? Well. Do what you want, but at, I work, but at work there are repercussions. And I don't. I don't in, in the NFC where the race is super agree. tight, you don't agree. So I don't agree that the word selfish is – he is, but he has a right to be because they didn't make it mandatory. So he decided not to get vaccinated. Now, was he following all the – he didn't lie. 
And was he following all the protocols that for unvaccinated people? I mean, if that's the choice, we've talked about this time and time again, if that's a choice you're going to make, you also have to go along with that we are not living in normal times. We are still dealing with the pandemic. So if you choose not to get vaccinated, then you also have to choose, you're choosing to abide by the rules in which establishments and teams and companies and organizations has nothing to do with taking away your rights. These are the rules. This is, this is, that's the bottom line. So if, you know, he, he decided not to get vaccinated and here's where we're at, you know, the NFL players association collectively bargained rules and procedures regarding COVID protocols for the players. He knew the risks. He opted out, knew the rules, and that's where we're at. And now he's he's going to be, you know, he's out. And as is, we got the injury report. Uh, C.D. Lamb's in concussion protocol. He did not participate today. Donovan Wilson for the Cowboys did not participate. Ezekiel Elliott was limited with the knee injury. Uh, a couple other injuries, but they participated. Cedric Wilson, Deshaun Wright, Tristan Hill. On the Raiders' side, kicker Daniel Carlson, maybe the most productive player on the entire team, uh, did not participate with an illness. Don't know what it is. Kwiatkowski, who was inactive, did not participate. Keyshawn Nixon did not participate. He, John Simpson did not participate. Limited was Jalen Richard. Yannick Ngakwe. Brandon uh, Fashion. Kenyon Drake. They were full participants today. So... I still think that minus Cooper, minus Lamb, possibly Elliott, the Dallas Cowboys are going to bounce back from the loss against Kansas City, which is surging, finding itself. Um, they're, they're, I personally, from what I saw yesterday and watched, I think that they have the upper hand and they're going to Unless I see something different or hear something different, they're going to stomp the Raiders. Stomp, stomp. Oh boy, stomp. Uh, it's 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 not good, Steve. It does. It, I mean, it, it did. It's a matter. It's it's not something of where, okay, well, um, they were outplayed. They were out. You know, they they you know Cincinnati came in and lot. The Raiders looked horrendous. Other than the defense at the start of that game until it got wore down. And now you're talking about a short week off of a very disheartening performance. We sat here in the first hour and talked about, does the coaching staff really know, or Basaccia, is he is he in over his head at this point when it comes to play calling? Decisions that are made. The one guy I, I, I give credit to in terms of, you know, having a grasp of what's going on is Gus Bradley. But as Adam pointed out, He's got to be furious at times, and I just think that Dallas is at it's 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 advantageous where where it's at. It's played shorthanded. It missed Dak at one point. It's in first place. It'll bounce back. Let's find out what's going on with the Knights. What's going on right now is uh, ten of thirteen in the win column, and they just got a uh, pair of wins over the weekend against the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets. We'll start to look ahead to this week. It starts tonight. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. He goes down to the right corner, but Vegas maintains possession. Hates stick breaks, pocket throw, they score! Matias Yanmark breaks the tie. Three to two, Golden Knights. 
You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Good weekend for the Golden Knights. Now they're in St. Louis. Interesting spot. Plus 130 dogs in that one. Mm. All right, so give me your take of the wins over the weekend by the Golden Knights. If they've now uh, ripped off 10 of 13, and they are getting healthier. They are. I mean, um, we saw, you know, Stone's back in the lineup. Pacioretty's been practicing. He was out on the ice. Um, and you know what? Keeps going back to the depth that this team is playing with, the experience it's gaining. Um, the lone loss was at the, um, uh, at home was to Carolina, which has been the best team in the NHL overall realistically. Um, they're getting some quality play from their forwards. They're getting outstanding play from the defense. Goaltenders are looking good. And that's that's one of the things is the defense. They're leading the league, if I'm not mistaken, they still lead the league among defensemen in points. Um, so goal scored. Um, and I think that that's a big key because, you know, Alec Martinez is out, Shea. So I think that, uh, you know, when you have the guys that are back there and that DeBoer's always had that mindset, it's important. Let's talk to Ashley Vice, ringside reporter. Ashley's up with Cofield and Company. Thanks for joining us again. How are you doing? Thanks. I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're good. What has happened here? This is amazing. What a run by the Golden Knights. I think a lot of folks were like, hey, maybe if they go 500, you know, they'll survive until all these guys come back, and they've freaking blown away expectations. Yeah, I think it's the same thing that happened back in 2017, and it's happened the last four years. I think that – We've seen that this group has just established a winning culture on this team, and losing is unacceptable to this team. And every time a new guy comes up, they know that because how deep this organization is, they might not get that look for quite a long time. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing young guys stepping up and make a difference. We're seeing the TSEN mark and Keegan Colasar start to chip in offensively, which is something that the Golden Knights desperately needed. I heard you guys just talking about the defensive scoring, kind of everything coming together at once. And, you know, having that detailed game that Pete DeBoer has talked about. Ashley, and that's I want to go there with the defense and sort of take a weird roundabout way to get there. When you were covering the Blues um, and they went on their Stanley Cup run, they went through the San Jose Sharks, which was coached by Peter DeBoer. His, he, he'd always emphasized their defense, getting involved in the offense, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson. He's done the same here, and this is something that I think has really helped spark this run. Uh, they've won 10 of 13 since opening up 1 of 4. They just finished a 5-1 homestand. And one of those defenders is Alex Petrangelo, who you're very familiar with. Can you just expand on that and, and how important that's been, what you remember from maybe that season during that series, and then um, and how Petrangelo fits in in, that, in in the years that you've covered him and, and how effective he's been and, and the influence he, he has? Yeah, absolutely. The more skilled the National Hockey League gets, the more important it's going to be to see offense from the defensemen. Now, the stay-at-home defensemen, you know, like the Braden McNabs, they still have a role, but you aren't going to have six Braden McNabs in the league anymore and be quite as successful. You're going to have a lot of guys. You need those guys, but you also need the guys who come in and do chip in offensively. And you talked about that Western Conference final between the Blues and the San Jose Sharks. Yes, you named Brent Burns, Eric Carlson. The Blues had Alex Petrangelo. Colton Fraco, uh, who Golden Knights fans will see here on the blue side tonight, uh, he has the ability to be very offensive as well, and he was on the team during that cup run. Tory Krug, another one from Boston, 
uh, is now with the St. Louis Blues, and he is an offensive defenseman as well. So the more skilled it gets, and it, it pays off because you look at the, the injuries to all these forwards, and it's almost like from an offensive standpoint, the team hasn't skipped a beat because they're getting so much from the defense. Blues start out 8-2, 8-2-1. and, two, um, eight, two and one. They've lost five, uh, it looks like uh, five of their last six, yet they, they – uh, they're favored in this game, but they got it's a sandwich game. They they played in Dallas a couple of nights ago. Now they leave and they'll play in Detroit and Chicago. What are the Golden Knights going to run into? And what you've seen in how they're playing, how they're performing, and how they're with that next man up, you know, mentality. Um, how do you see this playing out? And what what kind of team are they going to run into? Yeah, I think it's an interesting one. These two teams seem to get up for each other constantly. Uh, last season was a little bit of an anomaly. Vegas ran away with more of the matchups last season than what we had seen the previous three. Um, but the Blues are on a bit of a skid. Uh, I think it's 1-4-1 one, and one in their last six games, so they're definitely not playing um, up to their expectations. But they have dealt off and on with some injuries and some COVID issues as well. They were deep into the COVID mess just about a week, a week and a half ago, not long after they left Vegas. It was kind of one guy after another for them as well. They didn't go through the postponement situation like Ottawa has dealt with, um, but they were dealing with a very depleted lineup. And, you know, I, I can just speak to what I know from Craig Berube. This team isn't going to go on too long of a skid, most likely. He's not a coach that has it. He's also not a coach that wants to be outcompeted, which is something that you hear from Pete DeBoer as well. So I think you're going to see two teams both wanting to battle each other, both wanting to outcompete each other. Um, I think Vegas has a little bit of a benefit that, you know, some of these younger guys who have had to come in the lineup, teams don't know a whole lot about them yet, whereas the younger guys in the St. Louis lineup, people know a little bit more about. Uh, Jordan Cairo is a guy that Vegas is going to have to look out for. Robert Thomas as well is an incredible playmaker, but they've both been in the league for a couple years now, so Vegas kind of knows what to expect. But all in all, there's been a bit of a rivalry that's developed between these teams. Uh, David Perron's another guy who's going to get up for these games. He's you know, I've compared him and Jonathan Marcheseau to each other just in their competitive nature and their love of the game. And he gets up against his former team. So he's another one that Vegas is going to have to look out for. But, you know, I think it could be good for Vegas to have a little change of scenery here. The, the homestand was amazing. They end up going 5-1 and one on the homestand. But, you know, Gary Lawless made the point in some of his shows that maybe they started to get a little bit comfortable with some of those slower starts, uh, weren't coming out as hot. Maybe they were just a little bit comfortable, so maybe a change of scenery uh, will fix that problem as well. Well, and I think that might have been what the case was when they started out one and four. You know, they're facing they're facing us in the press room, right, and practice every day. The local media, uh, what's wrong? What's going on? And then they go on the road, and the team that was favored to win the Stanley Cup at the outset, they beat three to one Colorado Avalanche. Now, part of that one and four skid was against the Blues. And I know from covering the team in the past that, that they they a lot of these guys tend to carry losses into the next meeting, and so they're going to be playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder uh, with a revenge mindset. But you're right about the rivalry, that's for sure. I want to ask you about David Perron. You brought him up, and you know, and, and I agree. Him and him and Marchessar are so similar, um, and he's remained close with a lot of the guys. Him, a- along with uh, Eric Howla, too. They're, they've all remained close friends. Um, can you just talk, since Perron returned to St. Louis, and yeah. – you know, just the, the impact that he's had and your sort of, you know, working relationship with him and and what he's meant, maybe, because I know there's a lot of Vegas Golden Knights fans. He's one of the the guys that got away, if you will. 
Right, yeah. Uh, definitely not the poor salt in the wound if Vegas fans do feel that way, uh, but he has just gotten better with age, uh, without a doubt. That's the joke in St. Louis. He just is aging like fine wine here because every year it seems like he's chipping in more and more. Now I will say this season um, has been a little bit slower for him, at least as of late. Um, don't expect that to last too long. He's not necessarily a streaky person. So I would expect that to change, but he's, he's been huge here. Uh, he was their uh, leading scorer last season, all regular season. He came down with COVID going into the series against Colorado, and it, he's a huge difference. He's enough of a difference that the second that happened, that one player goes out, everyone's like, oh, shoot, what do we do? And you're talking about a team that has some impactful guys like Ryan O'Reilly, Tory Krug, some good veteran players, list goes on and on, but it seems like Perron was the worst possible player you could have that happen to. So, yeah, he's definitely made a huge impact here. Uh, he did want to come back here as well, though, back to St. Louis, as far as, you know, at least what he says to the media and all of that is that he wanted to come back. So, you know, that's not to say that, you know, Vegas necessarily missed out or made a wrong decision by any means. So, yeah, he's definitely made a big difference uh, here in St. Louis, though, without a doubt. Morning, Skate. was this morning. Um... The board addressed the media through Zoom. Um, who, who, who will be in? I'm assuming Leonard will be in net. But um, what, what did you get from morning skate? And uh, Peter DeBoer, what's, what, are his, uh, what are his lines looking like for tonight's game? Yeah, so morning skate, Max Pacioretty was out on the ice again, which is a great sign. He will not be in, but uh, Adam Brooks will be in. So it's another BGK debut. Uh, it seems like we're seeing... Game after game, we're seeing more and more uh, VGK debuts. Um, you know, Skate, he didn't address all of his lines uh, after Skate, and he didn't skate full lines. There were, you know, people in non-contact jerseys. Uh, we don't really know how it's going to shake out. So we'll see. And about 45 minutes is when warm-ups come out. So we see, we'll see who trickles on the ice. Definitely a good sign to see Max Pacioretty on the trip, though. Um, and then keep an eye on the defensive pairs because that's the other thing that we're waiting on. We're waiting to see when maybe Shea Theodore can get in the lineup, when a guy like Alec Martinez might be able to get in the lineup. So that's kind of that's kind of the news we're waiting on. Ashley, we appreciate it. You're awesome, especially uh, coming on this close to the game. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. There she is, Ashley Weiss, quickly becoming a massive favorite of this show as uh, she's, uh, I'll use the, the term again, Johnny on the spot. For Cofield and Company before game, 5 o'clock is when it starts over on Fox Sports Las Vegas. But you can turn on 1340 and 98.9 FM right now if you want hockey coverage. Is uh, RTHG and Darren Millard will be doing the pregame. Again, 1340 and 98.9 FM. The Ultimate Sports Lodge, where you can watch every game in HD. The beer is an icy 29 degrees, and the food leaves you coming back for more. Twin Peaks Lodge in Henderson.